It's going to be a fight in this primary so that we can show what does Tennessee really want? And I think it's going to be very clear come primary election time what Tennessee wants. And it's America first leadership. It's people who are bold, who speak the truth, who don't sit there and, you know, beat around the bush to try to give you political answers. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative. Today, Robbie Starbuck, music video director and producer who came out in 2015 as a conservative, is with us to discuss his run for Congress in Tennessee's 5th District and to update me on recent developments in redistricting that will hopefully make it easy to flip that district from blue to red. Before we begin, I just wanted to say that I've been watching Robbie for a while and he is uh, not afraid to talk about uh, issues like critical race theory. Uh, I've even looked at him talk about school choice and uh, what's going on in the schools, uh, medical freedom, uh, when a lot of folks uh, just spend all their time mincing words, uh, which can help you get elected occasionally, but no longer really resonates with today's conservatives. Uh, Robbie, I appreciate you standing up for those things and welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Brandon. Yeah, I think we have a duty to stand up for those things. Honestly, every freedom-loving American, you know, not just conservatives, anybody who believes in our Constitution, you should be standing up for this. I mean, if you looked back at, like, let's say what, you know, the, the dead party of JFK, the party that they used to be, they used to claim about caring about civil liberties. They don't anymore, you know, and it's very clear if you care about our civil liberties, you've got to stand up for these things. Well, tell me, um, it's been a little while since you've spoken to our audience, and we've got roughly you know, three times more people uh, listening and watching than the last time. Tell me a little bit about your professional and personal background, because not everyone was here the last time we spoke, and people have short memories. Absolutely. So um, most people knew me from the beginning, from my career in Hollywood. I was a director who directed and produced Oscar-winning actors, actresses, some of the biggest music stars. But um, I did the smartest thing I could for my career in 2015, and shortly after Trump walked down that escalator, I endorsed him. And to say that that did not go over well in Hollywood is an understatement. Um, but, you know, they're used to this system where you cower. The minute that, you know, you get negative feedback and people come after you, they expect you to walk back whatever you did and say, you know, this is your chance. You know, it's okay. You made a mistake. You can go back. I didn't make a mistake. My family came here from Cuba and they lost everything to leftism. I have a responsibility as an American, as a father, as a man who loves freedom to stand up and take whatever hits come along with that. So I let my career get burnt down and a company that was, you know, just doing fantastically. We lost probably 85% of our business overnight for me coming out and being so vocal. And instead of being quiet, like they wanted me to, I doubled down and I would not shut up. And I think that at the end of the day, people have got to realize this new system of canceling and of, you know, like these obscure threats to have your life not be the same anymore if you speak up, they're, they're really one of the most dangerous things because if you look at places like Cuba and Venezuela, that's how they became Cuba and Venezuela is people were afraid to stand up, afraid of losing their jobs or friends or whatever it is. And in the end, they lost all of it anyways. So as, as a, you know, as a father, especially, I recognize the importance of standing up and saying, you know, I'm not going to fall prey to that weird system they're trying to develop where they socially engineer us into silence. We're not going to fall for it. So that's where my background came from, you know, and in my DNA, that's why I'm so opposed to Marxism and the left and, and this new sort of, like I said, the party of JFK is dead. This is a Marxist party now. And we have a responsibility to stand up and do everything we can to fight it. And so in terms of me running for office, it was very simple why I did it, because 
I have lost faith in our representatives, in the vast majority of them. They did not stand up. They did not fight in the 2020 election. They cowered. They rolled over. And they really are not fighting for the American people to the degree I feel we need to. Um, this is a critical juncture in history. And if we don't do what's necessary now, we are going to lose this country and we're going to lose freedom. So for me, very simple. I have to give everything that I have to give that God has given me and, and equipped me with. I have to give it all to this race so we win here and so that I can represent the people of Tennessee and represent our values up there and not just represent them, but make them spread. We need our base here, our ideology and the way we feel. We need that to spread out and infect the entire nation because we need a nation who values freedom. So talk a little bit. You've talked a little bit about why you're seeking office. Uh, what do you hope to achieve? I've helped uh, a congressman in Tennessee flip a seat uh, from blue to red before. Uh, it's not like running your own company. It's not like uh, even being a, a mayor of a town or anything like you're in a gaggle of folks up there. And it is quite different uh, than what most people that are hard driving uh, entrepreneurs are used to. Uh, why are you seeking this office and, and what do you think uh, the freshman class needs to do once they get up there when it, it's likely we're going to be in a gridlock situation? Absolutely. I think we need to use the numbers that I believe we will have to force a new conversation in America about what we want. And so, you know, I think one of the tools that's going to help me a lot from my previous career is, you know, my job was essentially corralling and babysitting a bunch of gigantic egotistical babies who um, needed to get things done and to force them to get those things done. That's going to transfer really well to DC because I feel like not just will we do a great job of making sure we get everybody on the same page, but also how you message it. You know, we've got fantastic messaging skills. I feel like, um, you know, our ads and the things we put out are a step above everybody else because of that background. And that's going to transfer really well to selling our policies. Um, you're going to see shortly an op-ed come out um, that is a new contract with America that I wrote. And I think this is going to be a really impactful piece. Um, you'll probably see me go on Tucker and some other shows to talk about why this is so important. But number one on that list, and I haven't told anybody about this yet, um, number one on that list is clean bills because you can't do anything else without changing the precedent and the paradigm of how we pass bills. These gigantic monstrosities, these omnibus bills, they're horrific, okay? No member reads them. They're 2,000 pages long, and we're relying on aides who are often just barely out of college to read these, these bills and to red flag anything they think might be misused in the future, okay? I'm sorry, and this is no, you know, disrespect to those those people who are, you know, very passionate people and everything. I, I just, I want the people who were elected to represent the people to read these bills themselves. And so to get there, we have to get back to clean bills. And I think we've got to put the messaging and the onus back on Democrats to say, why won't you accept clean bills? And then on the flip side, when we push that through, we need to write bills that adhere to that in the first place. So let's take a few examples. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple examples of this. One is critical race theory, okay? Very simple way to approach critical race theory. Here's the bill. You, if you take federal funds, cannot train, teach, or deploy critical race theory in any fashion whatsoever, okay? We're going to find out very quickly what kind of virtues Amazon and Lockheed Martin and all these other places have once you pose it to them like that. And that's assuming, you know, if we have a supermajority that can get beyond a veto, if we can't, then we need to take that challenge to the White House, to Joe Biden's desk and say, you know, you guys claim critical race theory doesn't exist, so what is your excuse for not signing this bill 
in the first place. If we're writing it under the predicate that this is discriminatory training, discriminatory policy that already violates existing discrimination law, why wouldn't you sign it? You know, we've got to make them defend themselves because that makes it much more likely in 2024, we get a President Trump or if President Trump decides not to run a Republican president, period, who will go and deploy these things the way they should be deployed. But we've got to put the pressure and the messaging back on them. Now, let's take another issue. Immigration, okay? As somebody whose family came here legally, I feel an extra duty, especially as a Latino, to stand up and stop this illegal invasion that is happening at our border. And the way that you do this is change the incentives, okay? Right now, we have the worst incentive structure that you could possibly imagine. People in Central America and Mexico have been messaged to for a decade now by the Democratic Party that if you come here, you're going to get free health care, you're going to get free benefits, you're going to get this, that, and the other, okay? And we're going to look the other way when you commit crimes, too. This is something that cannot continue. And to change those incentives, there's a very simple bill. I call it the Citizenship Protection Act. And it states that if you are caught in this country illegally, you will never, ever, under any circumstances, be able to become an American citizen. And you will never, ever be able to receive benefits, OK? These are very clear incentive structure changes. So that if you're in Central America or Mexico and your goal truly is to work your way up and get here, you're gonna number one, need to commit yourself to a process that is legal. And number two, you're gonna have to commit yourself to having the merit to be approved to come here because we need a merit-based system. We are in economic turmoil right now. We have our veterans on the streets, many of which do not have housing. They don't have food. They have their own set of problems. We don't give them the health care that they need. And we're going and we're helping other people. We can't go and help other countries and other people with their problems if we can't solve ours here. So with the economic dire straits we're in, we've got to shift our focus back to merit-based legal immigration only. If you have merit, you're not going to be a net drain on our system and you love this country and the freedom that we have, you know, great. If not, though, we need to slow, we need to slow down uh, a lot when it comes to immigration because we've got to get our people at good paying jobs first. And I think when you change the incentives, things are going to start to drastically change, okay? Um, we're also going to have to do some other things, put pressure on Joe Biden to resume building the wall, get better you know, tools down there for our border agents. I made a trip down there earlier this year, and the border agents, I mean, they're just overtaxed. They don't have the tools they need. They don't have the people they need. And now we're firing them for not getting the vaccine. It's, it's truly unbelievable. It's like we're hampering them intentionally. I should say, it's not even a we're at this point. You know, that's that's really the sad thing is we're not in a we're relationship with our government. Joe Biden's administration seems to be intentionally crippling our border security to allow this invasion to happen. We're talking about millions of people, okay? Um, and at the same time, they're starting to legalize illegal immigrants voting. In New York City right now, they're making it legal for illegal immigrants to vote in elections. In San Francisco, it is already legal. So anybody who tells you this is not about votes, they are lying. They're bold-faced lying to you or they are entirely ignorant of what the Democratic Party is doing because they are already deploying this. Um, but basically on every front, you know, you go to medical freedom, same thing, very simple bill, stating and reaffirming the right that people have to make their own decisions when it comes to vaccination and that you can't face consequences from the government or your employer. We've got to get very simple again and make sure that the people can read the bills and that our representatives read the bills. Well, I agree. Uh, we're working on that at the state level here with illegal immigration. Uh, we've got some good bills filed. Hopefully they'll make it through committee to turn off the uh, legal immigration magnets of benefits and education uh, and employment in our state. That's the only reason that people come here. 
Um, and the, also on critical race theory, we're, we've got an imperfect situation in Tennessee that we're hoping to rectify here. Penny Schwinn at the top uh, does not seem to be very interested in policing that because she has a strong background in it. So, Can I uh, say something about that too? It, it's, there's another issue that has kind of gone under the radar that I think people need to look into is uh, Schwinn announced that you know, she would like to do this rural healthcare initiative. I just want to make this point to people. California did a healthcare initiative to get healthcare through schools, um, you know, over a decade ago. And this ended up being the avenue to separating parental rights in many cases, where then schools started to counsel these kids on getting birth control and on getting abortions and on gender transitions and things along those lines without ever communicating with the parents. And in many cases, they started doing this before they even had the legal shield to do it, which they now have in California, an entire legal shield to be able to do this. But this was the avenue that they used. So, you know, it sounds nice on the surface. The idea of healthcare, more healthcare for rural kids sounds nice, but it's, it's the method and the way it can be misused, people need to look at. If we really want to get rural health care um, fixed up, then we need to focus on why are we shutting down so many hospitals and clinics and facilities in rural areas? And why are we firing all the nurses in places like this? We've got to fight back against the mandates from the federal government that are doing this and forcing those firings and then forcing them to be so understaffed that they can't serve people. That's where we should be focusing energy, not on opening up more of a window to the government getting between you and your child. Um, so that's something I'm concerned about on that level. And I, I would like to see a new education secretary. Um, I, I think that that's something that our state desperately needs. I agree. Uh, Bill Lee has been very awful in his hires. It's like it's almost like he's got a CRT liberal checklist. And if you don't have one, he doesn't hire you for the administration higher up. It's very odd for a uh, conservative to do it, for a Republican to do it. Not so odd. Uh, so, and we've also got school choice bills rolling through the legislature, and I appreciate you being a vocal uh, voice for that. Do not California my Tennessee. Brandon Lewis here with the Tennessee Conservative News, donning our brand new Don't California My Tennessee bumper stickers. And if you go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support, you can be the proud owner of one of these puppies. We just got these things in the old USPS mail. Uh, hopefully you like them. Uh, we've had some people say that they want them, and here they are. And if you go to uh, TennesseeConservativeNews.com and you click that support button, we'll send you that. We'll also send you a proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker that looks similar in design. This wonderful directory with all your state reps and state senators. And if you should give $50 or more, or... Or, 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 if you give any type of recurring donation, we will send you this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. This is the same thing that they build spaceships out of. So if you were to put some of your objects in here and send it into the atmosphere upon reentry, guess what? Nothing would burn up. It has magical properties. So tell me about your, your new District 5, because you, you didn't, you thought you knew what it was going to be. Uh, now it's something else. What are you yeah. seeing, and um, how do you think it's going to make a difference for your race? And do you have any details about, about how it leans or anything that you could share with our audience? Absolutely. I mean, this is exciting news. Honestly, I felt like a kid on Christmas morning this past week. Um, so I'll, I'll get, I'll go all into it. Uh, first of all. I actually never had an idea what our district was going to look like. We had models that we had done that essentially told us what was most likely given the population growth in Middle Tennessee. Um, and one of those models was like, you know, I'd say probably like 70% close, but we were never expecting, say, like Wilson County to be in it. 
Um, you know, luckily I've spent a lot of time in Wilson County, so it works out, but it's one of those things where we were not expecting the map that came out and it is a plus 16 Republican advantage, which essentially means that this race is about the primary. Um, you know, winning the primary is, is the big deal here. You win the primary, you were in a great position to win the race. Uh, Jim Cooper is very likely to retire. If he doesn't, I will be shocked beyond belief because it, it is pretty much impossible for a Democrat to win this seat, uh, especially in a wave election. I don't see how, you know, he does the math and says, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. Maybe he does, though, you know, um, which I think would be a beautiful thing. Honestly, if I had a vote for it, I would say stay in, Jim, um, because I think that the people of Tennessee would like to see him officially lose the seat. Um, and I think it would always drive him a little crazy that I was the one to do it. So, um, you know, that's that's my vote. But in terms of the new district, we've got all of Murray County. We've got all of Lewis. We've got all of Marshall. We've got about half of Wilson. Um, and then we've got about two thirds of Williamson County. So we've got all of East Williamson. And then there's sort of a um, on the north side of Williamson, there's a, a large chunk of that that's also in our district. Um, and we made it into the district by the skin of our teeth, honestly. That was one of the scariest things was when the map first came out, I was like, wait a minute, do I live in the district? <laughs> and uh, we did, you know, I made it in by the skin of my teeth. Um, and then in Davidson County, we've got South Davidson and East Davidson. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a beautiful seat. I mean, it really is all the areas we could hope for. And I feel like is going to provide a really conservative base that fires up, you know, th this election energy and gets people going. And I think that it gives me an opportunity too to truly, you know, be in alignment with the vast majority of our voters in the district. You know, it was going to be a fight in the previous district um, in a plus six Democrat seat. It was winnable in a wave election, but it was going to be hard. It was going to be a tough slog. You know, now we're in a position where you know, we're the clear front runners right now. I'm sure the establishment's going to throw some people at us. Um, I, I would, I would be entirely shocked if they don't, but I, I assume they will, and we're ready for that. And it's going to be a fight in this primary so that we can show what does Tennessee really want. And I think it's going to be very clear come primary election time what Tennessee wants. And it's America first leadership. It's people who are bold, who speak the truth who don't sit there and, you know, beat around the bush to try to give you political answers. You know, I was just on a news show right before this and uh, they tried to negotiate what questions I would answer. And I go, I don't, I don't have anything off limits. Just go. Whatever you have to ask me are probably questions people have. So just go for it. You know, I, the onus is on me to answer the questions. The onus is on me to tell the truth and for people to decide if they believe it and if they believe that I have the honor and character necessary to represent them. So um, I think that that's what people want. They want transparency. They want real people. And they want that, you know, forthrightness. Well, I'm excited that you're in the race. Um, it is quite – I was – it is one thing when we know that there's a Jim Cooper to beat. It's another thing when you have to start picking primary uh, candidates. Um, it, it, it's all, often awful when two or three really good candidates get in a race. I'm sure you'll know what's going on shortly. Uh, but in the interim, uh, I want to, again, thank you for being outspoken, uh, especially a year and a half ago uh, when we really should have had a lot of our elected officials uh, singing the tunes that they're now singing after being dragged, kicking, and screaming by the electorate to them uh you were very forward thinking and and could see the obvious and uh it was it was heartening to have somebody like you out there doing the same thing tell me how people can find out more about your campaign and uh, help us turn this uh seat from blue to red 
Absolutely. So this is the, the seat in Middle Tennessee that is the least safe of all of them. Um, if you look at like advantages, so we need more volunteers than anybody. If you're anywhere in the state, you can volunteer to phone call. Um, if you're anywhere near our district, you can volunteer to door knock or in the district, obviously we need you. Um, so sign up at starbuck2022.com. That's starbuck2022.com. Your donations fuel my race because I'm refusing to take money from big tech, from big pharma, and from a host of these woke corporations. We're not taking their money. We are funded by the people. We're fighting for the people because I think that's an important aspect of actually serving the people. You know, another promise that I've made is I do trade stock and I am going to, um, I'm not going to trade stock. I'm committing to that now. And I will be very transparent in that process of selling everything thing. Um, you know, I think that's an important thing for people to know. I am serving you, not my wallet, not these corporations. And that's ultimately only possible if you get behind us, you volunteer and you donate. It doesn't have to be, you know, thousands of dollars. It can be whatever you're able to afford. It makes a difference in this race so that we can get out there and make sure that the community knows what we stand for. Well, thank you, Robbie, for being here. I appreciate you very much. I hope you've enjoyed this program. I'm Brandon Lewis with the Tennessee Conservative signing thank off. Thank you, Brandon. And stay tuned. There may be a surprise coming soon. I hope so. Take care, guys.